Hello, waffle lovers, and welcome to another episode of Whatever Flips Your Waffle on 365sportscast.com. I'm your host, Mark Domeyer, coming to you, as always, from the bunker deep in the heart of southern Minnesota. And as always, there's plenty to talk about when it comes to Minnesota sports. I'm glad you've decided to tune in and listen in as we chat about all those Minnesota sports. Welcome to those of you who've tuned in each and every week, and welcome to those who are checking things out for the very first time. Sit back, relax, prepare yourself for another helping of waffles, syrup optional. This week, I've got two different guests that I interviewed, one local and one that's on more of a broader podcast network. So let's get right to our first interview. Joining the program this week, Quinn Van Meldingham from Heartland, Minnesota. She has qualified for the state track meet in the 800-meter run. Quinn, congratulations. Welcome to the show. Thank you. What, you know, when you run, I'm not a runner, what goes through your head when you're out there? Do you have, do you think about stuff? Do you have a plan or do you just sort of go? Yeah, if I hear someone like breathing behind me, then I speed it up, but... Like, I try to keep a pace that I can hold so no one can pass me. Okay. And really, the 800, earlier in the season, you weren't even running that race. You were running the 4x8, the 1600, Mm -hmm. and then they decided you had a chance at the school record in the 800, so they sort of threw you in there. Yep. That's kind of funny, and all of a sudden, here you are going to state. And you told me you missed the school record again this weekend by milliseconds. Yep. That close. You were a good cross-country runner as well in the fall. How does that training help you when it comes to track? I mean, the same mindset as far as running, or does that change a little bit? Well, we run three miles, and since I only like run 800 meters, it's like it helps because then I can like hold the pace. Like I can hold it in for three miles, and I can hold it easily for like 800 meters. Okay, because it's different if you if you're doing the 800 compared to the 16. You've got to pace yourself a little bit more. You can go faster in the 800 each lap. What What's a good split time in the 800, or what's your split time per lap? Hmm. It's like a minute and six seconds or something like that. Okay, okay. So that's, you know, and again, if you're running a, if you take that minute and six, but if you're running the 1600 and you're looking to finish at five something, mm-hmm. that, that split becomes very different. So that's speeding up opportunity. So here you are as an eighth grader. What uh, what was the first thought you had when you crossed the finish line and realized, I'm going to the state tournament? It was a pretty cool feeling because I'm only in eighth grade, not in high school yet, and I beat like a lot of seniors, juniors, all the upperclassmen. So you crushed a lot of dreams is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> the people who thought, <laughs> thought they had a chance um, to go there. You know, and uh, watching you run this year it just looks so effortless. When you get done with a track meet, do you just go home and fall down? Are you exhausted, or are you just kind of you always look like you're ready to go run another race? Yeah, well, I go home, I eat, and then I like pass out. Oh. Anywhere. <laughs> so, so it's not quite as effortless as you make it look. Yeah. Uh, it does take a little bit of a toll, you know. And when you take in between, you play basketball in the winter, which you have to have that stamina mm-hmm. to play basketball. So, running cross country, running track that all kind of goes to help you in your basketball career as well. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I, I grabbed Quinn this morning, the interviewer. She's getting ready to do some basketball practice as well, um, get ready to go for that for next year. Only an eighth grader, and, and you're going to go to the state tournament. Now, how does your time match up with some of the other qualifiers? Have you looked at that at all? 
No, not really, because oh. I can't really find it. Okay, but you figure, hey, I came in first in my section. Um, I'm just going to go up there and run. So Thursday you run. This program is airing on Wednesday, so mm -hmm. we'll keep tabs on that. And uh, hope you can come out on top or place or do something and mm -hmm. represent NRHG well. So, Quinn, good luck at the state tournament. Thank you. It's funny. I went to school for my very last day of the year thinking, I need to get a hold of Quinn and have her on the program at least for a little bit. She made it to state. That's a pretty big accomplishment. And I ran into her in the hall. She was getting ready for her basketball camp, also preparing for her big race at the state track meet. So always fun to chat with Quinn a little bit. And hopefully next week we'll have some good results for you from the state track meet. There's enough bad news in the world. Where can you turn for some good news? The NRHEG Star Eagle, of course. Your area newspaper, the Star Eagle, focuses on the events and people that make our area a great place to live. The NRHEG Star Eagle, your good news newspaper. To subscribe or advertise, contact Eli at 507 463 8112 or email steagle at hickorytech.net. The Star Eagle is also hiring for different positions. If you're interested in working for a newspaper, again, contact Eli 507 463 8112 or email steagle at hickorytech.net. And always, as a bonus, you get to read the Waffle Flippers column in there each and every week. Next up, we've got Joe Gunderson. He runs a Twins podcast, and we talked about all things Twins. Here we go. Joining Whatever Flips Your Waffle on 365sportscast.com this week, we've got Joe Gunderson. He runs the Twins Nation podcast. You can find him on Twitter, at TwinsNationPod. You can check it out at podpage.com backslash twins-nation. Joel, welcome to the program. Hey, Keister. How are you tonight? I'm doing wonderfully. And yourself? Doing all right. You're, uh, uh, you're joining us from North Dakota, so you're a little ways yep. off. Yeah. Yep. Uh, right in the smack dab in the middle of the Red River Valley. There you go. All right. How did you, uh, you have this podcast. How did you get started on that, you know, creating the podcast originally? Well, uh... I just um, so when I what I did is um, many moons ago <laughs> uh, I, I went to college uh, for and I majored in uh, radio broadcasting. Okay. Uh, I went to uh, Northland Community and Technical College at Thief River Falls, um, and um, didn't get a radio job unfortunately um but uh so um that instead i went and uh pursued um basically i pursued the woman i'm married to <laughs> and uh I took, I took a job um at, at amazon first of all and then i uh um now i work for a local uh um like tool tool company okay um anyway but i've always had the idea i'd love to that i would want to get back into broadcasting and then i saw then the invention of podcasts came you know <laughs> and so i'm like i'd like to do this but i don't really want to 
I can't really afford to, uh, you know, spend a whole lot of money getting started. So right. just one day I found this free app It's called Anchor.fm. Um, and uh, so I use them as my podcasting platform. And uh, so, yeah, that's I just had the idea, you know, right. those are maybe my favorite thing. Um, so I just thought, yeah, I'll get my fill on pretend I'm in radio broadcasting. Right, yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm doing every week, too, trying to pretend so, a little bit in doing this radio bit. Um, you find a lot of benefits from doing this, too? Uh, you know, meeting people and talking to twins and everything? Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. So, yeah. how has your love of baseball and the twins grown over the years? You know, what keeps you coming back every season? Oh, well, us Minnesotans we, and North Dakotans, we like to say we're gluttons for punishment, right? <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, I guess it's just the eternal hope that they'll get it right one year. Uh, yeah. But no, I just fell in love with the game when I was six years old. Fortunately, I guess, uh, corresponded with 1987. Okay, okay. <laughs> which is a pretty, pretty good year. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, about six years old, my grandpa would watch the twins so when I was when I was there you know he'd have it on so I'd spend time with him and for some reason I just fell in love with the game and uh, it's grown obviously over the years where I have you know I follow them daily and watch you know I learned everything that I that I think uh, I could maybe I'm sure right, there's, yeah. other things, there's things I don't know but yeah. learn the game and uh, just just uh, it's just kind of became an obsession over the years right there, uh, there's something yeah, mysterious so. about baseball that kind of draws us to it I, it's hard to put into words yeah yeah I don't you know I know some people say it's boring or whatever it takes too long I don't find that, um, obviously. Uh, I guess it's it's just it's always interested me since I was six. Right. Well, and, yeah, and so many people have this. You know, like your grandpa shared that with you. My dad yeah. shared his passion of baseball with me. You know, it's that passing it on. Uh, you know, I'm sure there are people that come to the sport that have never encountered it before very much and really fall in love with it. But it sure seems like one of those things that passes on from one generation to the next. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Well, I'm glad. I, I was going to ask if you were around for the glory years, and, and certainly you were. Um, I'm a little yeah. bit older than you are, but uh, yeah, same thing. So now we look at this season. At the start yeah. of the season, what was your prediction? How were you feeling about this team before the first pitch? <laughs> well, you know, um, I was. I always find a way to get somewhat excited, um, but. This year, especially because um, I saw that our the Twins front office really made a lot of moves this this past off season, and as a Twins fan, um, it was more movement than than I've ever seen. Yeah, right. <laughs> and and um, so and then what really got it tip was kind of when they finished. The season, the uh, is when they acquired um, 
his name is Carlos Correa, and he's a <laughs> starting shortstop, you know? Yeah. And it's just, that shocked me. I couldn't believe the Twins would actually get him. Um, I think it shocked you know, everybody that's there. a Twins fan. Yeah, yeah. I would imagine. It's just, <laughs> like, it's just, how did they pull that off? And, right. Um, like, you know, the way they did it is obviously they, uh, it was a short, they got creative with the, with how the contract is built right just that and the fact that they this front office does seem like they're trying to actually put a competitive team out there right um failed failed last year but um but well you know, and i just think that the, this offseason really got me hyped up and, so. and it, nobody would have necessarily blamed them if they would have tried to rebuild a little bit this year you know, no, based on last year. I was year. Kind of expecting they might. Right. But but here they are. And I said on this program before the season started, my prediction was 82 to 88 wins and contending for a wild card spot. Well, yeah, that's about what I thought. Yeah. Like that. And, mm-hmm. and clearly now they're overachieving a little bit when it comes to that. Uh, and a yeah. lot lot can happen. They're only a third of the way through the season. Um, yeah. But, but when you think about that, and you know, you mentioned the off season. And we are at about the one-third point of the season. When we look back at, at all these moves, and, and in retrospect now, a third of the way, some have succeeded, clearly. I mean, having Carlos Correa on your team, whether he's hurt, he's sick, he's whatever, he, he provides mm-hmm. a boon. But you look at some of these others. Let's take, for instance, signing Sonny Gray. Well, they, yeah, they actually traded for him. But or yeah, tra- yeah, yeah, you're right, that, yeah. That... that that one was surprising too. That that happened like what a week later. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, that one came out of the blue, and I know some people, you know, say, "Well, he's a he's not really an ace," but and I guess not. But he still immediately became the best starter we have. Right. Huh. And when he, when you he's know, healthy, he is our ace. Yeah, he is our ace. Uh, I don't know that I can see why. You know there are definitely better pitchers than him out there, but um, he is he is our ace. Just uh, I would say, just based on you know he's been around a long time now with the, in the majors, so right. he knows right. what he's doing. Is he does have some issues with health, and he has a, had a couple of stints on the dis, on the injured list this year, um, but. Uh, Thankfully, nothing major has happened to him. Right. Yeah. How about um, when we look back again and you see the the Josh Donaldson trade for Gary Sanchez and Gio Urshela? Does it seem yeah. like we've come out on the better end of that stick? I feel like so. Um, you know, I I don't. I guess I think Josh is doing okay things for the Yankees. Um, and uh, we traded a guy we had for like 24 hours. Yeah. <laughs> with him. Um, we were just figuring out how to pronounce his name, and we traded him away. So <laughs> his name is Isaiah Kiner Falefa. There you go. From yep. Hawaii. Yep. From, from Hawaii. So yeah, it's not a difficult <laughs> name. Don't ask me to spell it. Yeah. I, right. I can't. Um, but uh, and I mean, even if they would have kept him, I was kind of excited because I knew he was a good defensive shortstop. Right. Um, but then, um, so yeah, they traded him, and um, I tell you that uh, I was a little skeptical about it just because 
Uh, well, especially like Gary Sanchez, you know, he's had a couple of kind of pretty bad years in a row here for the Yankees. Um, and Gio Rochelle, you know, he's known as a, a glove guy who doesn't really hit uh, that much. But uh, Gary's, um, I don't know what his batting average is right now, but um, and he started slow. So it didn't look good right away, but he's really turned it on this last couple of weeks. And uh, and Gio, um, man, uh, defense is his calling card, definitely. Right. Uh, he uh, he might be one of the best defensive third basemen the Twins have ever had, and um, you know, but. Even he hasn't been a slouch with the bat lately either. No. Um, you know, he's, you know, so, um, and then, um, I think that also may have probably improved the chemist chemistry of the team. Right. Uh, just, you know, Josh Donaldson, um, he's a different cat. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice way uh, to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, um, and I think he might have caused some division in the clubhouse. It sounds like that's, I've heard things that that's kind of been a chronic problem wherever he's played. Right, right. Um, he does, he does stuff like that. And, um, well, you just see what he, you know. Even, I mean, he got in trouble just, what, a week ago? Yeah, with Tim um, Anderson. And, uh, and, the Yankee, his Yankee teammates really haven't supported him right. in any way. It seems like so, right? Yeah, with what he did. Well, um, and, and I've been pleasantly surprised with Urshela's bat, and he's he's had hits in big situations, and yeah. and Sanchez's defense has been better than advertised. Yeah, I was, you know, you know, you watch enough, you know, I'm a baseball nut in general, so I will watch pretty much any game that's on if I have the time. Right, and uh, I so I would watch him. And, when I saw that they got him, I'm like, well, I hope they almost never let him catch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I've been pleasantly surprised like you that, yeah, I guess he's not that terrible. Yeah. Maybe he's worked on it so he's not that terrible anymore. Right. Um, you know, hasn't, you know, I was afraid he'd be out there and do something would happen that would cost us a game. But as of yet, no. No. That has not happened. Well, and sometimes a change of scenery makes a big difference for people, too. We've seen plenty of former twins go elsewhere and be successful. Um, True. Yep. Including, and this is the one where it's a little bit difficult, trading yeah. Taylor Rogers for Pagan and Paddock. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I understand why they did that, and I actually, I was, you know, I was... That was another move that when it happened, just I think the timing of it shocked everybody. Yes. Because it was the day before opening day. Um, it was actually supposed to be the Twins opening day that day, but they got rained right. out. But, right. Um, so um, you're just like, why would you trade your closer the day before opening day? <laughs> and uh, But I understood, you know, when I looked at it, like they got two guys, uh, that are uh, their contracts are under team control for uh, like a couple more years. Right. Um, whereas Taylor Rogers, he's a free agent 
as at the end of this season. Yeah. Um, so that's really why they did it because I guess they they I don't know if they were in discussions with him as far as a uh, contract extension or not, but they hadn't come to an agreement, obviously, and I guess they must have figured they they weren't gonna. Yeah. Uh, so they, they dealt him, and uh, it hasn't worked out as great as we felt. Um, Taylor Rogers, he's been pretty awesome yeah, yeah. Um, for San Diego, where he went. Um, although this last week, he finally had a rough outing. Oh, finally, yeah. Um, finally, he finally blew a save, but... Um, Bound to happen. On the twin, on the twin side, uh, one of those pitchers, uh, Chris Paddock, has already torn his uh, UCL in his elbow, so yep. he's out for this season. Has to have has had Tommy John surgery, and um, and then um, the closer that they or the guy they got <laughs> uh, to kind of replace uh, uh, Rogers, Emilio Pagan. He's uh, he kind of brings back memories of Eddie Gordado. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. We call it the Emilio Pagan experience around here. Every time yes, he, he steps yeah. on the mound, it's it's sometimes he can have this one, two, three inning, but how many times he's gotten out there and the bases are loaded and he's got a full count and whatever, and he just, oh, it and makes couple, my heart stop. A yeah. times the game yeah. <laughs> when we were no longer in the lead. Right. But. We've got Joe Gunderson here on the program this week. He runs Twins Nation Podcast. You can check it out at podpage.com and look up Twins Nation. Uh, we're talking Twins baseball kind of at the one-third uh, mark of the season here. Would you say Luis Arise has been the MVP of this team so far? It's hard to argue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I think I would. Um, you, know, you know, people you see on Twitter and stuff like oh he's the next Rod Carew and I'm like okay let's not get carried away right, yeah right but uh, then you look and what is he hitting like 360 right in that range yeah and you're like well maybe yeah I mean, even Rod Carew himself says he reminds himself of himself. Right, because um, the story is that he, Rod Carew, got a hold of Dick Bramer and gave him some advice to give to Arise. He adjusted and started hitting the ball again. Yeah, I guess he had like a week there that he was, but, you know, where he wasn't having a great day. And uh, what did he tell Dick to tell him? Like, it was he was down more. Yep, yep he, he was standing, standing up. Straight. Yep. So, and so Luis is like, oh. Okay. Yeah. I guess if, if Rod Crew <laughs> told me to change yeah. something, I'd do it, Ever too. Ever since he did that, he's turned into a hitting machine. Yeah. And he leads the league um, in on-base percentage, too. was before that. But, yeah. But, yeah, he's really hot right now. Yeah. So, Arise is leading the league in an on-base percentage, batting average. And mm -hmm. I, I'm not afraid to admit that before the season, when I was talking to some people... And it didn't seem like Luis had a spot, like he was going to be the fill-in guy. And in my head, and I talked about on this program and other people, maybe he's a guy that you trade in the middle of the season. Like you play him different spots and you build him up. But there's no way they're trading Luis Arise right now. I think uh, a lot of nation would uh, revolt. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's kind of kind of a guy he grew to love, really, since he's been in the majors. Um and but I have to think about you because um, as great as he does with that, he's never 
really shown that he's that great with the glove. Right. Um, uh, to the point now they've stuck him over at first base, um, which uh, when I when they did that, I was like, I wasn't so sure about that even because he's a short guy. Right. And usually your first baseman are like six two or above, and he's only like five ten. He's like my dad's size. Yeah. Same height as me. Normal human size. <laughs> yeah, right. Is it a problem, do you think, when we, as we move through this season, I mean, let's all assume that Miguel Sano, even if or when he comes back, is still not going to be fantastic. We don't have a regular first baseman. I mean, you have a rise there, put Miranda there sometimes. Gary Sanchez played there the other day. Can you be a contender without a regular starter at that really important position? I... I, well, I mean, they're doing it, but I, of course they haven't had the toughest schedule. What I think might happen uh, because they had a, their plan, I think, going into the season was having uh, a guy named uh, Alex Kirilov right. play first base, and uh, he just got off to a rotten start with the bat, so he was sent down to the minor league. But now this, since he got sent down, he... Uh, has been tearing the cover off the ball. Right. So I would not be surprised if he comes up and is our pretty much our regular second day or first baseman. Right. Again, when he when he's back. Um, but I mean, that that uh, that is a good point. I'm not sure if he can because you normally uh, normally a contender does have that position very much figured out. Um, of course, now if they do what I think they're going to do, then that would push her eyes back into what we thought he was going to be, which was a super utility guy. Right. Which really means he's probably still going to be in the lineup every day, just not sure where uh, where he's going to be playing in the field. Right. Um, He'll be in there for the guy who needs a day off. Sorry? He'll be in there for the guy who needs a day off. That, and then I think he's gonna end up probably being the DH a lot. Right. Um, just then people will be like, well, we can't have a DH without power because that's one deficiency in a Rises game if he doesn't hit a home run. But who cares if he gets on base all well, the time? Yeah. <laughs> There's other guys that can hit home runs. Yeah. Can we, got, we, got, we got enough of those. Yeah, can Kirilov stay healthy? Do you think the wrist thing? I mean, I read differing reports. It, it sounds like he's going to have to deal with that wrist, just like Byron Buxton deals with his knee. It kind of sounds like it. Um, I haven't heard if it's bothering him since in the minors. Uh, but I mean, as long as he learns how to play with it, um, you know, if he can. If there is pain, if he can deal with it um, great you know right. Right. Uh, I think pretty much every ball player has aches and pains somewhere yes uh, <laughs> yeah you know just wear and tear on the body um, but uh, so I don't know uh, you'd like to hope it doesn't bother him the rest of his career he's, he's still young uh, but uh, there's a possibility it might because um, yeah, but you know he he heard that thing last year and had a whole offseason to recover, and it doesn't sound like it. Yeah, it really did. It could be a, um, a chronic issue for him. So, yeah, yeah. Um, but he's shown because 
you know, he uh, he wasn't hitting for power up here. That and but ever since he went to the minor leagues, he uh, he has shown power. Right. As in fact, like yesterday, he hit two home runs. Yeah. Um, so he he hit six home runs since he got sent down. Right. Right. Uh, so, so speaking of if he's on the team again by tomorrow yeah could be speaking of injuries how do you feel about this Byron Buxton experiment I mean they've come out they've been they kind of got dragged got dragged out of him you know we're hoping he plays 100 games this year we're giving him all these off days to manage mm-hmm. his pain I mean it's kind of tough when you see arguably your best player sitting out two or three games a week yeah uh, you know at first I was like, I was a little ticked off, but then I was realizing what they're really saying is that, yeah, they they want him to get him to 100 games, but it's not, like, I think some people took it as, like, 100 games and then he's going to sit. That's no. Right, <laughs> yeah, right. You know, he'll, he'll end, if he can, he'll end up playing more than that. Uh, but the uh, thing that concerns me is, you know, he... Um, you know, because obviously they're doing that because he's had he's been, as everybody probably who follows Twins knows, he hasn't had a year where he hasn't been injured yet. Right. Um, right. And he's actually playing through an injury as we as we, uh, this year. Um, he's he's able to play through it, but uh, you know, you just mentioned it. He's got a a knee problem. He uh, hurt himself in Boston, and. Uh, um, and it, and what I think we're going to see, though, unfortunately, is yeah. So I have those days off, and um, I one of the things that was part of his game. Uh, I think we're not going to see him steal any, probably any bases this year. Um, just to try to keep him from hurting that knee more. Yeah. Um, but uh, I guess we've come to the point where. Um, Byron Buxton, like four out of seven days of the week, is better than none. Right. So, yeah. Well, uh, it's kind of a situation like we got into with Joe Maurer. Uh, correct. Where you know he he had his had his injuries, and uh, the only difference is, uh, and why I think people are also upset about it is, uh, or understood maybe more with Joe Mowers, you know, he was a catcher, so that's a lot more demanding, physically demanding position Yeah. Um, than center field should be. Right. Uh, and, and, and certainly, one would assume, if they make the playoffs, you're going to see Byron Buxton out there every game. He's not taking days off oh, in the yeah. playoffs. I can't imagine yeah. they would be. Like, <laughs> I am yeah. pretty sure they will be like, and Byron would be upset if, they did. <laughs> right. If they took him out, I'd be like, no, during the playoff, or even if it comes down to where they have, like, the division closes up more, uh, I bet then they'll be like, you got to play more. Yeah, right. <laughs> and he'll be like, no, you're not taking me out of the lineup. Right. <laughs> <laughs> We've got Joe Gunderson with us this week on Whatever Flips Your Waffle. Twins Nation Podcast is his domain. You can check that out. You can find him on Twitter, at Twins Nation Pod. Uh, we're talking Twins baseball. We're taking a look at where they at, 
where they are at right now. Geez, I'm I'm one day out of the classroom and I can't even speak anymore. Um, <laughs> what is there anybody on this team that you look at and say, boy, this person has really overachieved, and they're probably going to come back to the pack a little bit. Oh, that's a good question. Oh. <laughs> I hope the answer is nobody, but... I'd like to say that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, just trying to think. Uh, I mean, I look at like a... Maybe, a, maybe, a, maybe Gio or Shella offensively might right. uh, be. Um, a guy named, he's like their utility outfielder, a guy named Gilberto Celestino. Yes. All of a sudden, he's learned how to, he's like the right-handed version of the Luis Arise. Yeah, he's learned uh, how to swing the bat, that's for sure. And so I wouldn't be shocked if if, uh, if he digressed a little bit. Um, and actually, to tell you the truth, uh, there's guys that I feel like are still underperforming, you know, like... Uh, Jorge Blanco, he's not a two thirty hitter. Right. Um, and um, Carlos Correa, he could be even better than he's been. Yeah. Um, so you anticipated my next that, question. That was what I was going to ask you next. Who's going to Who's going to get better than what they are? So. Yeah. Yeah. I think those two guys will be um, for well, sure. I think Bear Byron Buxton. He's been in a major slump the last couple weeks. And he's starting to come out of it. So right. You had a big home run in Toronto the other day, so that was good to see. What's that? He had a big home run in Toronto the other day, which was good to see. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, and I, uh, I look at like um, Trevor Larnick and Kyle Garlick, and they've really contributed probably more than one would have expected. Um, but I, my, my concern is as you start playing through the league and, and teams get more and more of a look at them, the scouting reports, they're going to figure out different ways to pitch these guys. Yeah, I think that's especially true for Kyle Garlic. He's usually a guy who's he's really on this team because he can hit lefties, right? But because of the the severity or the number of injuries that Twins have had this year, that's another thing we could talk about. Yeah, um, <laughs> you know, he's had to play against right-handed pitchers too, uh, and he's done he's done just fine. Um, when he's gotten the opportunity. Unfortunately, he's also himself battled the injury bug, and I think he got put on the injury list or, uh, the other day again, um, or he might be about to. Yeah. Um, well, and so, um, but uh, with Trevor Learning, I'm not that worried because he was, he's billed as one of our top prospects. So right. I, I'm just hoping this is what he's showing is what's going to be true of him what we expected all along, yeah. And again, you anticipated me. I had um, <laughs> on my list here talking about the injuries they've had. It just seems an inordinate number of injuries. But then when you look around Major League Baseball, there's a lot of teams with a lot of guys that are injured, probably in part because of the shortened spring training. That, that, that's true. Um, I think like the team that everybody thought would win the Central, and they might still, but... But Chicago White Sox, I know they're sounds like they're having about the same amount of issues keeping their guys healthy. Um, but yeah, I think that the short spring training because of the lockout uh, didn't help. Um, 
there's probably other reasons. Um, but right. Also, you know, they've been facing other than just those injuries. They had uh, COVID run through the clubhouse pretty heavily. Right. These last couple of weeks. Well, and better now than September. Three guys out because of that. Yeah, it, it's crazy. I I just I look at this and I I think what the the strength of this Twins team is. You know, they've certainly shown a lot of depth. You're bringing guys up from AAA you weren't expecting. I mean, when Chi-Chi Rodriguez is coming in making starts and you win a ball game, um, Devin Smeltzer has been better than advertised this year. Um, yeah, but he's been kind of our savior. Yeah, right. You know, uh, Joel Ryan's probably been better than, than even the best people expected. Uh, yeah. And one would yeah. think that this stuff has to come back and get back to normal. And if we're still holding that lead... Uh, in the central, you feel good at some point. Almost everybody's got to be healthy. Yeah, you know. <laughs> um, and you know, the thing is, though, you know, just when you're like, okay, we're getting this guy back, invariably someone else gets hurt. Right, right. Uh, I mean, that happened. Um, that happened. Like, um, they had to bring up their hot shot. Um, uh, uh, prospect Royce Lewis because uh, um, Carlos Correa got hit in the hand and almost broke a finger. I right. Don't, so yeah. don't know how it didn't get broken. Right, yeah. Um, Twice in one game. But, yeah. And uh, so they put him on the injured list and brought him up. And he didn't get hurt that time, but then uh, he got sent down when Carlos was, again, uh, healthy, and then he started ca- trying to cover up the ball again in Triple H. So the Twins are like, "Well, we have no excuse not to have him on our team." Yeah. Because <laughs> um, they, what they did when they sent him down is they had him play other positions other than shortstop. Because uh, he's a heck of an athlete, and they knew, you know, he showed enough this first time up at the major league level that they're like. Oh, we got to figure out a way to get him back up here. Yeah. And uh, so they did, and three innings into bringing him back up, he does his best Byron Buxton impression <laughs> and crashes into the center field wall, and now he's on the injured list. Yeah. Does it, you know. So he's three innings into his reappearance. <laughs> uh, you know, I watched this, and you've seen Buxton do it and stuff, and I kind of miss the old Metrodome. It seemed like, you know, that. that flimsy wall they had at least they'd bounce off and maybe they have to why do you have this big concrete slab at target field maybe it's time to to come up with a different way um down in our area down in albert lee they've got some different kind of fencing that you sort of you you it takes a lot of impact and you sort of bounce off of it i mean for the betterment of your players maybe you need to look at something different yeah or wrap them in Bubble wrap? Yeah. Because you can't stop a guy from going all out for a ball. I mean, that's just their instinct, you know, to try to make the play. So. You know, I feel like it should be. uh, I hate. Because it just sounds bad when when they're like, we don't want him to try so hard. Yeah. You don't? Yeah. Because, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, one of our coaches in our school district here for many years, the great John Schultz, he said, when you start worrying about getting hurt and you play differently, that's when you get hurt. You know, and, yeah. and I think there's a lot to that. If you're worried about tweaking your ankle or your knee, you're thinking about it, you're, you're playing differently, and you're more likely to get hurt than if you just do what comes naturally. 
Um, yeah. do, do you think, you know, I feel a little, yeah, I feel a little different than when you're going full speed into a wall. Well, um, right. Yeah. Yeah. He fights the wall and the wall wins. Right. Well, um, every, every single time. Yeah. <laughs> what? You know, it, it is too bad too, because, you know, with twin fans, that's one thing we got used to, or that I've been used to my whole life watching the great center fielders. And yes. Starting with Kirby and then. Hunter, right, um, and they neither one of them were afraid of a wall. No, um, no, you know. So, um, but they somehow almost pretty much always survived any crashes they had. But and that might be what you said, like in the Metrodome, the wall was different. Yeah, um, it was just like what a plastic tarp. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> it was held up by by some steel beams. So about the only problem there is. It, were to run into one of those right uh, but they i think they knew it pretty well yeah yeah it's it's we can look back back at least with a little fondness on the metrodome in, in that regard um you know yeah. as this program is airing for the first time the twins are in their second game against the hated new york yankees the best team in major league baseball this year i i don't know that people would have, i mean you always assume the yankees are going to be there i personally had picked uh, the Blue Jays and the Dodgers for the World Series, and that could still happen. But, boy, the Yankees have played wow. well. And, and this is one of those times where I look and you say, okay, Twins fans overreact to everything, just as probably every baseball fan does. Oh, my gosh, we lost four out of five in Detroit, and I was disgusted. Wow. And then you come back and you win two out of three in Toronto with half your yeah. team because they can't come or they're injured, they got COVID. Um, and then the Yankees. This is kind of a prove-it time because, you know, you look back, when Houston came to town, they just they wiped the Twins off the map. No, just just whatever. And if you hope to, I mean, you have to get to the point where you're not just happy to make the playoffs. You want to be able to, well, win a game would be a nice start, but, but you know, I don't know, win a series. Get, get there, and, and the playoffs will be a little different this year, but I feel like you, you have to show we're not just going to be happy to get to the get to the dance yeah yeah that's the I mean the goal every year is to win the win the World Series obviously um um and it would be nice um for them to definitely win a series at least a playoff series if not <laughs> win a freaking game in yes. a series yeah <laughs> um, uh, that's been a problem as we know so uh um uh, couple decades right um, right uh, but I and I don't and I you know players insist that this isn't a thing but it's definitely a thing with the fans where whenever they do play the Yankees we're already defeated yes like I'm going into this series expecting them to get slapped yeah uh, yeah I hate to admit that but you know it's been 20 years of this yeah well and, and you know <laughs> Part of this is, I look at, like, you're going to trot out a Dylan Bundy who started the year really well and has just yep. crashed and burned. And, and again, probably as, as Dennis Green, former Vikings coach, once said, he is who we thought he is. You know, he, yep. he he can do some good things, some bad. Same with a Chris Archer. I've been a little disappointed in Archer this year. I thought he might make yep. a good bounce back, but he can't pitch into the fifth inning. And I, yeah, that surprises me how many, because his problem is that he, he runs up a pitch count, um, so they can't let him pitch into the past, uh, sometimes into the fifth inning or past it. Right. Because he's already yeah. thrown almost 100 pitches. Yeah. So it, it's, I was surprised. 
I'm surprised that's still an issue with him. And you know the hope is all these guys get healthy, and you can say, okay, we don't need him in the rotation. You know that that we've got other guys. You know now it's Smelter's kind of shown some life here, and a Joe Ryan and a Sonny Gray if they're healthy. Um, you know, and, and I'll okay, Chris Archer can go to the bullpen because I think after Sunday, if Tyler Duffy disappeared off the Twins roster, nobody would would miss him. It, it's been a very frustrating year for Tyler Duffy. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the people I do my podcast with, uh, her name is Sherry Fernie, and she's uh, uh, she works with uh, TwinsDaily.com. Oh yeah, and uh, she uh, put it nicely. She doesn't like Tyler, <laughs> <laughs> so she might she might do a little dance if the if it ever came across the news that he's been released or something. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, but, and it's hard to argue that it wouldn't, that it, at this point, because, um, I mean, you know, he almost blew it yesterday. With a five-run uh, lead, yeah. You know, we had a five-run lead when he left, it was a two-run lead. Yeah, and uh, and two runners on, so. <laughs> you know, um, and it's just weird to, like, Uh, um, he seems like he can pitch the sixth or seventh inning just fine, but don't put him in as the closer. Right? Yeah, it's a it's a mental thing. And he'll scare the crap out of you. Yeah. Right. Right. So. And he's 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 blowing a game or two because he's been put in as the closer. Right. And yeah. I I wonder if they're just eventually gonna uh, put. Uh, Johan Duran in in there and say you're the closer now, bud. Yeah, oh, I, I think twenty one years of you or whatever. Yeah, but I think that's the hope, and and you've got to have somebody somebody who can who can shut the door, and, and Duran might be the guy. So, well, Joel Gunderson, he is that guy. Yeah, uh, Joel Gunderson, Twins Nation podcast. Invite you to check that out and uh, follow some good Twins. Twins uh, material on there, uh, just like you follow us here every week on Wednesday nights on 365sportscast.com. Joel, thank you so much for joining the program. You bet, sir. Thank you for having me. All right. And, uh, you have a good week. Yeah. All right. Take care. And now it's time for the State of Minnesota Sports. It's been an interesting week. You know, we just got done talking to Joel Gunderson about the Twins, and we'll get back to them in a little bit. But when you look at some of the other areas of sports here in Minnesota, and we've talked a little bit about the links on and off, they've struggled this year. And I read an interesting story in the Star Tribune this past week that talked about, should they just tank and try to get a high draft pick and be able to possibly draft Paige Beckers if she comes out of college uh, and go that route, get the hometown girl, which would certainly sell tickets. She's very talented, of course. But a difficult decision to make... I find it hard to believe that Cheryl Reeve would ever tank. And again, in a league in which 8 out of 12 teams make the playoffs, it'd be hard to imagine just giving up this early in the season. They have a long way to go, um, trying to make a little bit of a, a run, maybe put more than one win together in a row. But again, a lot of the basics, and they're just trying to figure out who works best on this roster and um, you know get some things going. So it's not time to give up on the links yet, I don't think, and the writer said that as well in his article. Uh, but 
they need to pick things up in a hurry. I mean, you can be the eighth seed in the playoffs and not have a chance, or you can try to make some sort of a move and get up into a region where you're going to better compete, and hopefully that's what the Lynx will be able to do. The Vikings, as you're listening, are in the midst of their mandatory minicamp. Um, they had some more OTAs, and, and a lot of things occur. When you pay attention and kind of kind of look at what's going on at the OTAs, just little things pop up, a lot of positive commentary about Coach Kevin O'Connell and his coaching staff, and it seems like uh, Mike Zimmer had just you know, run his course, and, and his attitudes and his way of running things were getting old, and this is kind of the way professional sports are. If you're not winning all the time, a la Mike Tomlin in Pittsburgh, uh, Bill Belichick in New England, you don't always get to do things your way. You've got to kind of relate to the players and everything, and hopefully O'Connell will do that and win along with it. A few injuries kind of rolled in with the Vikings. Uh, Zadarius Smith had to take a little bit of time off, K.J. Osborne. But you know what? It's May and June. Not a lot of worries. Um, Amir Smith-Marset, uh, however, had some lower leg problems, and, and basically they said they're going to shut him down until training camp. Um, don't think it's going to really linger, but... Um, lower leg injuries can be a lot of things, and um, certainly you want to take some time off and make sure that heals up. A lot of good reports about Adam Thielen in camp. You know, myself, I thought, well, he's kind of on the way out. He's getting old for a wide receiver anyway, uh, but he's been making some plays and connecting well with Kirk Cousins. And again, I, I'll to say that the, uh, the Vikings have such a deep, deep uh, wide receiver core that I think is really, really talented. You know, Osborne came on a little bit. Smith-Marset showed a few flashes last year. Uh, they signed Albert Wilson. Now, kind of maybe the, take the place of D.D. Westbrook, who's not going to be back with the Vikings. Maybe he can return some punts. It's going to be pretty tough to get on the field um, behind those guys, but you never know. Another name that popped up as I read and paid some attention to the Vikings this last week was tight end Johnny Munt, and he was with O'Connell with the Rams, won a Super Bowl there last year. And certainly when a coach comes over and they're familiar with somebody and bring them on over kind of with them, you have to think, hey, he's got a plan here. And so you could see, again, we, we've talked, and, and O'Connell's talked about some different sort of offensive formations and putting Delvin Cook out at wide receiver. But can you imagine having a couple of wide receivers if you put Munt, or excuse me, tight ends, if you put Munt and Irv Smith Jr. out there at the same time? And maybe, too, part of this is maybe Irv Smith Jr., they're still not sure how he's going to recover from his injury last year. Um, so so they're, they're kind of giving themselves some depth. When you have somebody who comes in who's very familiar with the offense, uh, that, that's always a positive as well. He can help teach others. He can help them fit in and, and understand all those things. Uh, right guard is an interesting spot with the Vikings, too. Um, Jesse Davis was spending a lot more time with the starting unit. Uh, than, than Chris Reed was. And, you know, Reed, maybe they're thinking he can back up some other positions. He could perhaps be at center if need be. Um, he's, he's going to be with the Vikings, that would seem to be for sure. But, uh, you know, right guard has just been a little bit of a revolving door. Uh, you know, there's also Ed Ingram. He hasn't signed his rookie contract yet, but, you know, they're expecting him to come in and, and contribute as well with the Vikings. So plenty going on there. And we'll hopefully, again, next week, talk a lot more about the Vikings and what we've kind of learned from everything going on. You know, the Twins, after Joe and I got done talking, uh, looking up some more and finding out that Bailey Ober, back on the injured list, um, reoccurrence of his 
of his groin strain and and uh, jeepers, I'm reminded of Sam Malone <laughs> years, years ago, talking about groin injuries and everything else. But that's certainly nothing to mess with, and and they come back pretty easily if you're not fully healed. So Ober's been, you know, he's been a, a good pitcher for the Twins this year. They they need him back, and as Joe and I talked a little bit about some depth that the Twins have at starting pitching. But you like to get to a point where you can count on five guys each and every time around. Um, you know, to, to be able to do some things. They signed to a minor league contract, Aaron Sanchez. Um, he had been pitching for the Washington Nationals, really bloated ERA of 8.33, and um, they signed him. He was an all-star a few years ago when he played for Toronto, and um, then he's had some injury problems and, and sort of been around the block a little bit now. But, again, I think they, they're reaching out and trying to, find anybody who might be able to contribute with the injury rash that they've had. But again, you look back, you say, hey, the Twins went to Toronto, as Joe and I talked about. They had about half their roster, and they beat the Toronto Blue Jays two out of three, the team I picked to go to the World Series at the start of the season. And again, as you're listening, the Twins are in game two against the mighty New York Yankees. Um, we'll kind of see how that goes. It doesn't give me a whole lot of hope when you have Chris Archer and Dylan Bundy as two of your starting pitchers against guys who all have, you know, sub three ERAs and, and, um, but, but again, didn't expect them to do great in Toronto. So maybe they'll surprise us a little bit here, uh, at home against the Yankees. Then they hit the road and, uh, excuse me, then they are home against Tampa Bay for three. And then they hit the road and head out to Seattle for a series there, maybe a little bit back at the Mariners who kind of took a couple from them early in the season that they would have liked to have back that they sort of gave up. And that's the state of Minnesota sports. And now it's time for this week in Minnesota sports history. On June 8th in 1978, the Twins drafted Kent Herbeck in the 17th round. Of course, Herbeck would go on to be one of the all-time Twins greats, helping to two World Series victories. On June 8th in 1995, the Twins traded Dave McCarty to the Reds for a player who never made the big leagues. McCarty started fast for the Twins in the big leagues, but uh, kind of faded downhill after that. In 2021 on June 8th, Griffin Jacks made his major league debut, giving up three runs in an inning of an 8-4 loss to the Yankees. Jacks has played and pitched much better this year for the contending Twins. On June 9th in 1966, five twins homered in the seventh inning. Rich Rollins, Zolier Versailles, Tony Oliva, Don Michener, and Harmon Killebrew in a 9-4 win over the A's. This is the only time this has ever happened in an American League game. On June 9th in 2000, the twins had their first bobblehead giveaway, a bobblehead of Harmon Killebrew. All of the giveaways that day were gone within five minutes. People were lined up just waiting for that one. They still do at times. In 2019, on June 9th, former twin David Ortiz was shot in his home country of the Dominican Republic in a case of mistaken identity. He recovered but eventually had to have his gallbladder removed as a result of the injuries. On June 11th, in 1951, my mom was born. Happy birthday, Mom. In 2010, Francisco Liriano tied a team record by striking out seven straight Braves in a 2-1 win over Atlanta at Target Field. In 2011, on June 11th, the Twins inducted Jim Perry into their team Hall of Fame, a great pitcher, brother of Gaylord Perry, another great pitcher. 
On June 12th in 1981, Major League Baseball players went on strike, a strike that would last for two months. And Major League Baseball would split the season and had a funky sort of playoff system, um, a, a dark day in Major League Baseball. In 2017, on June 12th, the Twins selected Royce Lewis with the first overall pick in the draft. And of course, hopefully Lewis will come back from injury soon and continue the tear he's had to start his Major League Baseball career. On June 13th in 1997, the Twins played their first ever interleague game at the Astrodome and beat the Astros 8-1 behind Brad Radke's eight innings pitched. Chuck Knobloch had the Twins' first interleague hit and Paul Molitor, the team's first interleague home run. On June 14th in 2019, Minnesota Governor Tim Walls declared that day Joe Mauer Day. As the spring sports season is nearing its very end, of course, we know our softball team is done for the year. Uh, as you listen to this, not sure yet. The baseball team played Tuesday night, uh, continuing their playoffs, trying to get to Thursday with a chance to go to the state tournament. Hopefully they will be still playing. And congratulations to Quinn Van Meldingham for going to state in the 800-meter run for track and field. Good luck to her eighth grader at NRHEG. Well, that's going to do it for another helping of waffles here at 365sportscast.com. I'm glad you decided to spend an hour with me. Hope you'll continue to tune in each and every week right here Wednesday nights, 8 o'clock Eastern, 7 o'clock Central. There's a rebroadcast schedule if you go to 365sportscast.com, just in case you can't catch the original broadcast. You could also check out YouTube. All the shows archived there. You can check out past and present. If you have any feedback, if you think you would be make for a good interview, email me, waffleflipper22 at gmail.com, or message me on Twitter, at MrD1973. Next week, right back into the world of Minnesota sports, Will the Twins continue to contend through a difficult part of their schedule? What will have happened with the Vikings minicamp this week? And will the Lynx ever get back on track? Come on back and find out. I'll have another special guest to delve into all that and more. Thanks again for joining me. This is Mark Domeyer signing off with Sir.